Welcome to Bear Creek AG. You're getting ready to listen to our current Bible study. Right now, Pastor Tony is walking through the book of James. So grab your Bible and a notepad or journal and join us. James chapter 4. You know, um, as I was looking at the scripture tonight that we're going to be studying in James chapter 4, you know, the book of James is is a short little book, but man, does it hold a lot of punch, doesn't it? And as I was looking, every time I study, you know, we're only doing four or five, six verses at a time because of the, the deep... I hate to use the word theological because that's an academic term, but the, the deep, the depth of, 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 of the Christ-like life that God has called us to is found, a lot is found within these scriptures. It's, it's very, and how we live every day as Christians, as fellow believers, how we live within the world uh, that fights against us, how we live with each other. And really, this is dealing with us, the church. This is how we deal with each other. And tonight, it's no different. As we look at it, I find that, that pride is an interesting thing. I mean, right now, if I would say, how many of y'all are prideful? Most of you would say, I'm not prideful. You wouldn't raise your hand. But isn't that actually a sign of being prideful when you say you're not prideful? Right? I mean, pride is an interesting thing. We can easily spot it in others, but we can't see it in ourselves sometimes, right? I mean, isn't it easy to see someone else who has pride? Say, Boy, that's a pride. Look at the way they act. Look what they're saying. Look, look how they live their lives. And some of the proudest people I've ever met, though, are, them, uh, are excuse me, some of the proudest people I have ever met thought of themselves as being very humble and were very critical of the pride of others. And I've seen that. And I'm very careful of that myself. It's make sure that pride doesn't enter me because most of us are a lot prouder than we would probably like to believe about ourselves. Any comments on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I had, I looked at this as, God, what are you doing to me? Because it's true, even myself and even in the casualness of, now I'm not saying we've got to, you know, oh, be careful what we say. And I'm talking about putting on false, falsehood or, or false humility. But just, just the, some of the things that we say and some of the things we do and the, sometimes the way we act or think about people really cross that line sometimes of being ungodly pride and and the thing is is pride is not a new thing in this world is it pride existed before this world existed didn't it who is the what, what is the first uh indication or what's the first thing we we when the first time that we know this recorded pride took place in creation it was Lucifer, wasn't it? Even before the garden, before God created the world, Lucifer out of pride. His name was Lucifer, one of the most beautiful creatures that God ever created. He was over worship. Think about, think about that. I, always, I used to tease Mary Lou that uh, the devil, the devil's in the worship team. See, I never called her the devil though, but I used to tease her about that. So, but now my son's up there, so I can say that. But anyway, actually, I was implying my wife, but we won't go there either. So, but uh, yeah, it was Lucifer, the most one of the most if you can look at how he's described in scripture beautiful creature that god created over the praise there, there's some theologians who believe that that god actually gave satan dominion over the world and that was a, a there's a place of worship before god re, and i don't want to get into theology of re, the second earth and all that but it's the under the idea that the first world the earth that he created was beautiful but it was actually a place of, of praise it was beautiful it was perfect in every way before he made man and that, it, and that, that the worship was to go up. And Satan, did, oh, excuse me, Lucifer before Satan. It was his domain, but that he became proud of that. And he, and of course, we know what happened. He tried to take over heaven, and he was kicked out of the heaven. And 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 a third of the angels followed him. And and man, he went from being Lucifer, one of the most beautiful. Uh, 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 musical instruments, as it's described in, in in the Old Testament, to becoming Satan, who's the adversary to God who is the adversary to God's people, to man. And, of course, we see how he developed that even in the Garden of Eden and tempted Eve. It was out of pride because why? He wanted to destroy God's creation and the perfection of God's creation. It has never gone out of existence since then. And so James could see in, in, in this in his readers. So, remember, James is right, and I always like to read, 
preface this so we understand the context that what James is, who he's writing to. And if I'm going too fast, slow me down. If you have a question, stop me, okay? I don't want to just regurgitate this, but, but James is writing to the church that has pretty much has been, has left. He was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and because of persecution, he had scattered. So he's not able to meet with them, kind of like a COVID. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have a way to communicate through the internet like we did during the COVID when we couldn't meet. So he's writing this letter to them, and, and this is the only recorded letter that we have that we that he wrote to them but he in, in in five chapters this little letter this little epistle he's trying to correct everything that he's hearing is taking place in his congregation and and, and he saw this in his readers so he wrote the words that's in our text tonight and he's warned them about two manifestations of pride now there's a lot of manifestations of pride but the two that he sees that they're dealing with in in this congregation he deals with tonight and the first one is is the pride that causes us to speak evil of one another the pride that causes us to say bad things whether they're true or not gossip about one another and he says in verse 11 of james chapter 4 he says do not speak evil against one another brothers the one who speaks against their brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Now, listen to the verity of this, okay? Listen to, to, to the depth of what he's saying here. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, this is kind of a sad commentary of the church, isn't it? Think about that. They were brothers and sisters in Christ, and according to his writings, they, they were members of the same body, and what are they doing? They're beating each other up verbally. They're, they're saying bad things about each other. They're cutting each other up, and, and, and this, is a, this is sad. They are the body of Christ. It'd be like me tonight taking my fist, I'm not going to do it, and just start whacking myself upside the head, causing bruising and bleeding. It, 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 it just, it's strange. It's not right. It doesn't look right. It's not the way it should be. And this is what they were doing to each other. They were abusing and they were, they were hurting each other with the words that they, they were saying about each other and possibly even to one another. And it's a strange sight. It's a strange sight. And we see this in so many churches. We see this among the body of Christ. And it is sad. It, 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 we have a tendency to dismiss, if I can use that word, these, vo- these, these, these uh, assaults, these verbal assaults, uh, as trivial, don't we? I mean, think about that. We, we're real quick. What is the term that we like to use at the end of a negative comment about somebody? Come on, y'all know. We use it all the time. Just kidding. Okay, that's one. No offense. No offense. Okay, that's another. Just saying. There you go. That's a good one. Bless his heart. He is uglier than dirt. Bless his heart. He is dumb as rocks. Bless his heart. And we, we, we do this, and, and sometimes it's like we, we're just trivializing it. And, and James refuses to do so. He wants his readers to share this ugly problem, excuse me, stare this ugly problem in the face. And so he begins by telling them that such evil speaking means setting themselves, what? Above God's law. By doing this, they are setting themselves above God's law. There is a law against evil speaking, isn't there? Now, he's not talking about the law as a Levitical law. He's talking about the way that Christ would have us live our lives here. Don't, don't, don't remember, he uses the word religion in the first chapter. And we said, we're not ta- don't take that term and apply it to today's definition. He's talking about a pure religion. He's talking about a right relationship with God. And here, he's not talking about the Levitical law in, in the sense of legalism. He's talking about the way of living like Christ is what he's talking about here, okay? And just think what he just said. He's, he's saying basically, look, you are living above God's law. When we carve up a brother or sister in Christ, we are breaking that law. Let's name, let's talk about the, some of the laws. Let's talk about some of the things that Christ said or, or, or the apostles said in the New Testament about saying things about people or treating people. Come on, what, what laws do you feel like he's talking about here? The ways of Christ he's talking about here. Backbiting? Slander? Okay, we... Murder? Absolutely. Jesus said absolutely. 
Yeah, he, he, we're told that we should treat others the way we want to be treated. That's part of the loving others, love Christ first and loving others as yourself. That's part of, of the law. And when, and when we're doing this, we're, back, we're, we're backbiting or we're gossiping. What is gossip? Let's just give a, let's give a basic terminology, a definition to gossip. What, I don't have it written down, so let's just, let's just talk about it. What is gossip? Rumor, okay. Rumor bearing, okay. Misinformation, okay. Can it be, can it be truthful information and still be gossip? Yeah, because gossip is something that you're wanting to say about somebody for just the purpose of sharing information. Say, backbiting, that's when you talk a negative about someone. You're cutting somebody down, see. And, and James is saying when you do this, you are putting yourself, what? You're, you're putting yourself above God's law. And even more than that, I wrote down here, we're suggesting that we know better than God. Who gave the law? When we do, when we walk in disobedience, especially to this one, then we're saying that, that this law that God has given us, this way of living, this Christ-likeness, um, is no good. We're above it. We're better than that. Uh, one, one commentator put this, The man who deliberately breaks law, thereby disparages this law, in effect, he sets himself above it and declares that it's a bad law and not worthy to obey. Comments? <laughs> I'm going to be silent for a minute. Right? Think about it this way. I'm driving down the road and I speed either through a construction zone or I speed through a school zone. And by speeding, I am, I, in essence, what I'm saying is that the people in authority who set those speed limits did not know what they were doing. Am I right? Come on, let's call it what it is. And I'm basically saying those, I know better than those who set those speed limits up during the school, school hour when kids are being dropped off and picked up. It's all about me. Yeah, I know better than... The Highway Patrol, the Department of Motor Vehicles, who set up these speed limits in a construction zone. And the reason why they did that, because so many construction people on the roads were being killed by cars flying by. I mean, that's, that's why that law, they said, you have, to, you have to slow down. Why do we have to move over if, a, if, a, if a, a, a law enforcement officer has someone pulled over? Because law enforcement officers were being killed by cars flying by them so close. So now you, it's a law. It's, 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 and so what we're saying basically is that I know better than those people who made these laws. I am therefore putting myself above that law. So you, you either submit to the law or you say you're better than the law or that you're above the law. See? Comments? Well, y'all are quiet, Brother Jim. So Mary Lou's not justifying her. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking with you. <laughs> yeah, there, there are those. Yes, I, I agree. I, I agree. There are those innocent times. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just like going down 231. Instead of doing 65 or 55 or 45, depending on where you're at on 231, we, and we, we un, I won't say unknowingly. Sometimes it may be unknowingly, but most of the time we know. And it's saying, I'm above this law until you get caught. And then you try to talk yourself out of it, or you're like my wife, and you, you shed tears hoping the yeah, high flight patrolman doesn't give you a ticket. She's cried herself out of several tickets so in her lifetime. But this isn't about my lovely wife tonight. Okay? Yes, Brother Jim? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's so sad to see 
it's not so much in in book form today but it's definitely out there on the internet you can definitely find there's still some bashing that goes on but maybe not as prevalent but there's still some because it's still a fear <clears throat> it's, it's it's still a fear of losing people to this more so than trying to make sure people are indoctrinated. anyways but yes i'm in agreement with you anybody else okay so when we break one of god's laws we are setting ourselves above god saying that we know better than God. At least that's my opinion. And that's what you would call pride, isn't it? Pride. And that's, and that's begging for trouble in God's kingdom for sure. When we set ourselves up against God, we forget that He is the one who has the power both to save, verse 12, and to what? Destroy. Well, it says That's what James says in verse 12 there, chapter 4. Be sure of this, God is not going to let us get away with thumbing our nose at His ways, His laws, His principles, His way that we should be living, okay? It has a heavy price. Before we buy the product, we should look at the tag. Before we engage in evil speaking, we should remember that God, who can destroy, has promised to judge such speaking, hasn't He? Everything you say, you're going to be judged for. You're going to be held accountable for. Right? Y'all are quiet tonight, so quiet tonight. Maybe I need to go to maybe I need to go to Psalms and pick up some cheerful Psalms to read. Or to, I don't know. You're exorbitant. I know. I, and, you know, I realize that. I like it when you guys interact with it because then I feel like that I'm doing a better job. But the reality is you're right. This is one of those things that it's like when we talked a couple weeks ago about words. It just makes you really stop. And it should. If the Word of God doesn't offend you, you have a pride issue. <laughs> It should make us to evaluate ourselves, not to bring condemnation, though. That's not what tonight's about. It's more of about a self-evaluation when we decide that we need to cut people down, brothers and sisters in Christ, but anybody, for that matter, with our words. Okay? Christ, is, we, he, he's the one. He, there's, you know what I find is interesting is that there are a lot of things in life that God, Christ shares with us talk about responsibilities and ministry and all and, and all that he shares with us but you know one thing that i find interesting that he is not going to share he is not going to share his throne with us he's not going to share his his role as the judge with us maybe that's a better way to put it he's not he's not going to share that with us he 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 owns the judgment seat and he owns the ability to counsel or modify his laws, but we have no right to do that. We can't cancel a law. We can't modify a law. We do not sit in the seat of judgment. That's his responsibility. Okay? James is saying that evil speaking always has a price tag. I just said that, didn't I? I apologize. Um, the judgment takes place to 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 certain extent in life. Think about this. Talking about judgment. We know that one day we're all going to be... When I say judgment... Judgment isn't always a bad thing. We're going to stand accountable is what I mean by judgment. Yes, we are going to be judged. And there is, there is a price, not our salvation, but there is a price to pay for things we shouldn't have done and, and things we should have done. But just overall, they're, 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 we're going to stand before God because there's also rewards. There's also accolations. There's also well done. We, I, we, 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 we uh, strive to hear. But there's also judgments in this life. I wonder how many of God's blessings have been uh, forfeited because of evil speaking towards other people. You know how many how many friendships have been ruined because of gossip or evil speaking. How many people have been driven from the church or a church because of evil speaking? I just got a list of things. How many church leaders have been driven into discouragement because of negative speech towards them or their families? Um, how many of their children have been driven into disillusionment? I know it affected, definitely affected my brother and my sister, not me so much. How many doors have been closed to sharing the gospel with an unbeliever because of our mouths, our way we talk, the way we treat each other, what we've said about other people to these people, see? I mean, it's, it's a reality. We have to be careful. It doesn't mean we can't have fun and joke. Please, Brother Bill, don't stop giving me a hard time on the golf course, okay? It's not the same. 
but the reality of it is we have to be mindful of what we say and how we say and the motive behind it. There's a price to be paid in order to enjoy the delicious feeling of cutting up a brother or sister in Christ. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. If God's judgment doesn't find us here, it will find us in eternity. But it will find us. Make no mistake about it. His judgment will, will find us. Amen? Maybe I put this down. Maybe perhaps the thing that we most need to carry away from James's message is this question. Who are you to judge another? Who are we to judge another? And that's what he asked in verse 12. We might put it in these words. Who do you think you are to judge others? Who are you to judge others? Right? Okay. Questions or comments before we go to the second thing? Yes, John? No, go ahead. I, I'll get you and then we'll come to Brother Fred. Well, we yeah, because we know James are we've we've all taught about from the heart the mouth speaks. We we, we James that's why I say every chapter, all five chapters of James deals with a lot of different things. But one of the constants through the, all of it is their speech. It is our speech. Yep. Yeah, Brother Fred, you had a comment or question? Yes, sir. Good point. That's a real good point. That's a real good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that, well, back in chapter 3, James talks about um, the tongue being like a fire, the tongue being like the rudder, the tongue being like the bit. It's very, very powerful. But we know that all that comes out of that is what's already in you. And the source of that negative speaking or that cutting um, can be, and I'm not saying it has to be, but it can be pride. And that's, I think that's what he's saying. We have to look at the, it's one thing to pick on each other. It's one thing to laugh at each other or laugh with each other. Because I want to be careful because a lot of you guys are in my small group and we cut up, we pick on each other. And, and um, you know, I, I don't want, if you feel convicted by that, then by no means I don't want to speak against what God may be doing in you. But we, we know that's just, that's just the, the fun that picking at each other but the reality of it is this, this i get this picture is more of what's said behind closed doors or said in privacy as you are talking about or you're cutting down or maybe it could be to the person to their face even um it's it's more about that cutting that talking that down to putting down of somebody cody hmm Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. And that's real. That's real. And uh, and and that's something that you just that's where you need the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Um, I, I always like to do and and, and, it, and it's it's biblical. I always I always try to think of it in this terms. What would I want other how would I want other people to treat to treat me because regardless of your boss or anybody your wife your spouse is treating you right or wrong doesn't mean you have that right you're not empowered to be disrespectful if that makes sense and and so in that sense he still has authority over you so be respectful and then hey you you know it then have a conversation with him there's nothing wrong with that there was a time in my life where my wife had to say, look, sometimes I, you say things in public that, that hurt my feelings. And I know you don't mean it, but it hurts my feelings because other people don't know you're, you're joking. In other words, it's more about the perception. I said, you know, you're right. So I only talk about her cooking every once in a while anymore. So, No, but she did. This was years ago. She said it hurt. So I said, okay, I, I hear you. It wasn't intended, but I hear you. And so I've tried to work on that over the years. I haven't perfected it yet, though, have I, sweetheart? Mary Lou? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So just, just know that. It's, it, be careful that the pride, he's dealing with those who are just cutting and is doing damage to the church, doing damage to the kingdom of God, doing damage to people's lives. And sometimes it's because of, if it's a pride issue. We think we're above the law. We're above God's law, and we're not above God's law. We have to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen? And his word, and his word. All right. Second manifestation of pride that James, I guess I can use that word manifestation, the second issue of pride that James could see among his readers was planning without regard to God. That's odd. It sounds like he's, he's kind of bouncing around, but this is a fluid letter. It's a very short. I guess he understood, blessed are the short-winded, for their letters will be read again, I guess is what he's doing here. You know, blessed are short-winded preachers, for they will be heard again. But, he, he, but it's, it's a flow that's going on. I always probably bring that out because if you just take these, and it's like, well, man, this is kind of out of the ordinary, but no, out of place. It's really a flow, and so he says, listen, be careful what you say. Pride will cause you to say things which God doesn't want you to say and treat people the way God doesn't want you, and then he says, and pride will also, this is something you guys are doing that you don't need to be doing, but you're planning without regard to God. He says in verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know that mo- what morning will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And I could say that last verse there is for both of those issues, okay? But listen to what he's saying there. He's saying, you're planning. See, he's saying, listen, you're planning and you're living life with no regard for what God's plans are for you. You're just, you're just planning life and going about without any regard for what would God want you to do. What's God's plans for you to do, right? They were talking about going to such and such city and about spending a year or so there and about various transactions and they were conducting while they were there and they were talking as if uh, they were in charge of their own lives. And guess what? You're not. You're not. Now, God gives you freedom, but freedom to do what? I, I, I learned this in American history and government. We have freedom in this country, but what do we have freedom to do? what we're supposed to do. That's exactly right. We don't have the freedom to go do whatever we want to do if it imposes on someone else's rights or the law. See? And, and so it is with God. We, we don't have the right just to do whatever we want to do. We do have the right to do what God calls us to do, what His Word tells us to do, and to walk in obedience to what God tells us to do and not to do. He says, you guys have got this backwards. You're, you're planning. A, and this is not, let me say this, this is not a scripture against making plans. I've got plans. We talk at night. Well, we're talking about going and playing disc golf on Saturday if, if the Lord should will, right? And I don't, think, I don't think James is saying that every time you say something, you should say if the Lord wills. I, I mean, you can. I don't think it's, I, don't, I think what he's saying is, is as you're planning things, you need to be considering what God would have you to do. Because guess what? You may wake up tomorrow. You may not wake up. Right? You don't know what tomorrow holds. You know what tomorrow brings. It's okay to make plans. I think it's very good to make plans. Right? We're planning on going on a fishing trip in a couple of months. Right? Good to make plans. I'm making plans. i got reservations. I'm getting my boat ready. Right? I've got to go out there. I've got to start practicing my fishing. Can't go unless I practice. So i got to have some Saturdays off to go fishing. Right? And but the reality of it is, it's, I may never make it down there. I may, may never make it till tomorrow. We don't know. And so what James is really trying to tell us here is, look, it's okay to make plans, but you really need to remember who's in charge here. And it's, it's arrogant. It's prideful to say, I'm going to do this and do that without any regard to what the Lord may have you to do. Questions, comments? Yes. Yeah. Or we or sometimes we say, if the Lord should tarry. Yeah. And there, there, I said, no, no, not at all. Yeah.
So what do you, so let's, talk, good. So let, what do you feel, because that's where we're going, what do you feel the intent of what James is trying to say here, though? John? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? That's good. It's about his will, but let's narrow it down a little bit more. D? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? I want you to, this is Bible study. Let's break it down. Let's make sure we understand it. Because we could take this in the wrong way here. Right? It's not mean we fly by the seat of our britches. It's okay to make plans. Okay, so be open to the correction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, good, good. I'm trying to lead you. You guys are all right. You're going down the right path. <sighs> yes, because he says what? Life is like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. You know what I noticed one day this week? It was so foggy. That fog, that mist, it's foggy. But as soon as the sun came up, whoop, it went away really quick, right? And it just it made me think about this scripture. You're right. Life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And so with it, I'm coming to you, Jordan. So with it, I think so. I think you're all right. But I think what he's saying is, listen, you need to be led of the Spirit. You need to be open to a change in what you plan to do, right? Miss Jordan? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Mary Lou? You prayed it. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And I think what James is trying to say is, you're, you guys, you're, you're making all these plans, and life is short, and you need to be open to the leading of God. Brother Joey? There you go. It's good. It's like James is saying, look, quit living your life like you're in control. We do, though, don't we? And I don't mean we live life out of control. It just means that we live life like we're controlling our life. And I think James, I think the, the, the heart of the Scripture is James is saying, look, it's okay to have plans, but you need to be quit living your life like it's your life and you have control of it. You have submitted your life to God. You're his servant. I'm, I'm adding other scripture that's, that's not taken out of context here. Your, your life is not your own. You are a bondservant of Christ. So it's okay to make plans. I think we need to, to make plans. We need to have a direction. The church, we have plans. We have a vision. We, we have a calendar. But we have to be very, well, last year, 2020 taught us you've you got to be flexible, right? And so we are. And I think that's why, quit living your life like you are in control. Let God have control. Brother John? I'm sorry. I just wanted to finish my thought. Well, if you're living like you have control, then you're living a prideful life. That's pride. That's, that is. And he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, Father, I'm planning to do this, but nonetheless, you're in control. And so, therefore, I submit myself to you. And if you have other plans, then show me, correct me, help me. Let me know because I want to follow and walk where you want to lead me. A good example is Brother Ben. He, he, has, he has plans to be here on Sundays, but God opened an opportunity for this Sunday 
to what? To be somewhere else and speak. I mean, that's a good analogy. He, he's usually here on Sundays, and God says, hey, I got other plans for you this Sunday. And so he will be ministering at a church in Graceville that their pastor, I guess is on vacation. I'm not sure. We didn't go in that kind of detail. Maybe they don't have, but anyways. So, but that's the point is, is he, he's planning to be here, but wait a minute, get the call. This is God's plan. I'm going to follow the leading of God. Proverbs 16, 9 says, and I love it. The heart of a man plans his way. We plan our way, don't we? We make plans, but the Lord establishes his steps. We can make plans, but God orders our steps. I'm making a plan, but I've got to be open to the shepherd leading me in a, down paths of righteousness for his namesake or by still waters or by the green pastures. Or I have to be open for him to lead me down through the valley of the shadow of death. It's about following where he leads. I've got plans. I got plans, but I got to be open for my plans to change. God has made us for eternity, and, and to eternity we will go. We have to go. Everybody's going to face eternity one day. There's no way out of it. There's only two people who did not die in the creation since the creation of man that we know of, right? But outside of that, 10 out of 10 people die outside of those two people. All right, here's your test. Who are they? There you go, Enoch and Elisha. All right. So we know that we all are going to, and even, even those two are going to face, have faced eternity. They just didn't go by the grave. All right. And the eternity that awaits us is one either of bliss or of woe, depending on how we live our lives, obviously. So let us live with God and eternity weighing much on our minds. I, I think that's the heart of what he's saying here. So often we don't necessarily live every day, as Colossians says, keeping our eyes on what's above doesn't mean we're so heavily minded with no earthly good. It just means we understand that life is a vapor, as James says. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. So every day we live with the intention of fulfilling God's will for our lives that day. If I get to go fishing, praise God, I get to go fishing. If I get to go play with the boys Saturday and disc golf, but you know what? Somebody may need me Saturday morning and I may not get to go. I have to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I think that's what he's saying. So we constantly have the tendency to make this life the main event and eternity a footnote. And I think we get that wrong. Eternity is the main event and, and only, a, only a fool lives as if this life is all there is. Eternity is the big event. This is just prep for it. Get it right here. Eternity takes care of itself. That's the big event. So don't count on your time. It's passing. Don't count on your possessions. They will soon belong to somebody else. You know, that's a reality. That's one of the saddest things going through with my mom's condition. Is, and you, I, I haven't given you guys an update and all this stuff. And, and, and no reason other than the fact that I just haven't. But, uh, you know, we last year put my mom in a nursing home. She's got Alzheimer's. Uh, and my dad, out of necessity, had to sell their house. But you know what you have to do before you can sell a house? you got to clean that house out, right? And all of my mom's belongings, my dad took just a few pieces because he moved to a much smaller house. All her belongings are now belongings of somebody else, not necessarily in our family either. So that's a sad commentary, but the truth of the matter is our possessions, they're going to belong to somebody else. Don't count your career. It will soon be over. Right? But count on this. Eternity is rapidly approaching, and only those who have taken refuge in Jesus Christ can face it. So let's take refuge in Christ. Let's let Him order our steps. Let's be open to God to move us where He needs to move us. Be careful what we say. Just don't let pride come in your life. Amen? Questions, comments, concerns, corrections, debate. Proverbs 16.9, 16.9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes us. That's ESV, English Standard Version. So, Yes, Joey? Yeah, that, and that's absolutely, and that is true pride there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Think about that. That's a good analogy. Jonah Besides, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to get on this boat. And, and God causes that storm to be so bad that he's willing to let 
them throw him overboard. But God wasn't done. That's the grace of God. But he ended up three days in the belly of a whale. See? Because why? Rebellion? Because he had his own plans. What's amazing about that story, this is really what's amazing about it, because uh, we, we, I don't want to say we put Jonah up on a pedestal, but think about this. Even when he walked in obedience to God, did the plans God had for him, then he sulked and complained because God did exactly what he said he did because Jonah went and did what he did. He, he spared Nineveh for another 70 years. And uh, Jonah just kind of sulked as he looked over the city there. It's like, I told you, God, you would do it if I came. This is why I didn't want to come. Anyways, but you're right, Joey. Yes. Is that right? I did not know that. It's pretty cool. Very interesting. Yep. Yep. Better walk in obedience to the Lord. Let him order your steps because I know this much. I um, I may go the way I want to go, and it may be fun for a while, but it, it always leads to a dead end. Always leads to a dead end. And then you've got to humble yourself, swallow your pride, admit you was wrong, and ask God to forgive you, and He does. And then try to get back, and then try to make up for lost ground. It's kind of like when you're on a trip. Man, I hate confessing things. I hate asking for directions. The best thing ever happened was that you, we have GPSs on our phones now. Because there was a time I would not stop and ask for directions. And we would make a wrong turn somewhere. And we'd go down. And it would take, you know, if you go five minutes down this way the wrong way, it takes five minutes to come back most of the time. And I just, but, you know, there's a lesson learned there. Yeah. Go the right direction to begin with. Ask for directions. Get the map out, right? Yeah, well, well. My wife, my wife says the same thing. Yeah, Brother Jim. Sure did. Yeah, it's the ripple, what I call the ripple. I didn't come up with that, but it's something I heard many years ago. It's called the ripple effect. Anything we do, good or bad, has a ripple effect, and those closest to it has a bigger effect. But eventually, as it goes across that pond, as it gets to the shore, it has less and less effect, but there's still an effect by that action or lack of action so absolutely and sin is very true those closest to the epicenter of the sin are the ones who are affected the most i'm sorry i like word pictures anybody it's kind of like when brother bill threw his disc in the water the other day it was so smooth but when he threw that disc in there it just rippled all the way across that lake threw you under the bus brother actually i think it was me that did that not you but anyhow <laughs> Okay. Sure did. Yeah. But let's not justify our disobedience by what God brings good out of the bad. <laughs> But you are correct with that. But let's, you're right. Absolutely. God took something bad and made something good out of it for sure. You know what also is interesting about that is that whole story of Jonah. I'm sorry we're chasing rabbit trail, but here we go. Uh, is that it's believed. We, we don't know this for sure. It doesn't say it in the Bible. But most likely if he stayed in the belly of the whale, he was exposed to the digestive juices of the whale's stomach. So therefore it probably bleached his skin. And so when he came out, he probably was bleached white, to a, or much, much more pale than your average Middle Eastern. But when you look at Nineveh and what, who the, and what they worship, the false gods they worship, he actually appeared as one of the false gods. And so that used that to open the door for them to listen to him. Just interesting. So. That's one of those little nuggets. You say, well, that's not in the Word of God. No, and I'm not going to preach that that's the Word of God. But I can see how God could use that to... to that's just like, here, can I really blow your mind? Can I blow your mind? This doesn't take away from the miracle. But, you know, a couple weeks ago I preached about how, how um, God told um, Moses to tap the rock and water come out of it. I'm not saying this is what happened in that scene, but it's not unusual in the Middle East to go out into the wilderness, and what happens is where there's water, there comes a dust storm, and that dust to get around that water, and it will encase that water. And it makes it hard. That when you break it, though, is a source of water. Could it be God did that? In other words, God, they say, well, that takes away from the miracle. But does it? Does it? I mean, so God provides over quail for over a million people. 
he used what was in the natural, just caused a big wind to blow it in every day to blow these quail in, right? So anyways, Brother Jim, like I said, I'm not saying this gospel. These are, these are the things that I paid a lot of money to go and study in these classrooms. You know what I'm talking about? Go ahead, Brother Jim. <laughs> okay. Is that a word? Hmm? Yes. That's right. God directed him where to do it. Disobedience. That's right. Trying to do it the way, yeah. And here's the thing. There again, it doesn't take away from the miracle because if, in fact, it was calcium, or and that's kind of what I meant by the dust. It builds up. It still had to give water for over a million people. <laughs> that was what was unusual. It's just like the crossing the Red Sea. There's been a lot of debate. Well, they didn't cross the Red Sea. They crossed the Reed Sea. There's a misspelling in the Bible. And if you look, there's a part of the Red Sea where the fingers are. That's, that's called the Reed Sea. It's part of the Red Sea. And it's very shallow. And I've heard people say, well, that's not a miracle. They could have walked across in, in knee-deep water. I says, okay, well, then the miracle is then God drowned a whole army in knee-deep water. So you pick the miracle you want. It doesn't change the fact that God did a miracle, which I don't believe is a misprint. Because anyways, there's a long, like I said, I studied all that stuff. And it's just, it's just to help us be grounded about our studies. But uh, it was the Red Sea, and God did part it, and they did walk on dry ground. And he did use it to drown the Egyptian army, for sure. So... Questions, comments? Anything else you want to share? We have a few minutes here. I like it. Yes, it was walls. I know. That's it. Like I said, it's an atheist or somebody trying to, to, to discredit the Word of God. And that's where the comeback is. Well, then God did a greater miracle by drowning an army in knee-deep water. So, For sure. Anybody? Okay. Well, we'll pray. Yes. Sure. Yeah, I didn't go into whole. Okay, yes. Okay, it's not. And it, here's well, it is, but it's not. I, and, I, and I and I did skip across that pretty quick without coming back to it because I want to make sure I have time. Basically, there is a theory. It is a theory um, that prior to the fall in the Garden of Eden, that um, or actually prior before the dark. It, it, it says in the, okay, <laughs> this is the theory of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and there's a break between verse 1 and verse 2. The theory is because of some scripture in the Old Testament that I'll have to give to you. I think this in Isaiah. Uh, it says that there's a theory that the earth was created. Lucifer was not the God, but he was the overseer of it, and that praise would, would scribe praise up to God from the, all this creation that God had created, but that pride stepped in, and so God caused darkness to come over it okay and then after so much time we don't know how much time did god recreated or brought the brought the wor world the earth back and he began with the garden and he began with adam and eve and so he, that's how he's he, he started out with adam and eve so i know i'm kind of babbling over words i didn't come prepared to talk about that i guess i shouldn't have brought it up but that that is a theory and that is a theory i'm not saying script because there's some scriptures that point that say that sh that do kind of point that there was a flood before noah's flood see there is there is there is a theory there so but don't get caught up in that because here's the thing it doesn't change the gospel i don't say we shouldn't try to th thrive or strive to understand the the word completely I, i'm i'm for that but i don't want to to us chase those kind of things and, and, and forget the message because from the beginning to the end, it's about Christ. Even in Genesis, it's about Christ. And uh, that's, that's the big thing. But I'll see if I can't find something for you in my notes. Like I said, that's not, that's, that was a theory, something I just kind of, okay, that was good, and I kind of compartmentalized it over here. And Because um, there's some people who are a lot smarter than I that did study all that, and there's just not enough evidence to it, so that's why they call it a theory. The two floods theory, the Genesis chapter 1, Genesis uh, verse 2, the break there, it's called, you know, so.
But I'll see what I can find for you, Jordan, as long as you don't. Yes, Lucifer's flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he just wiped it out. Because that would explain a little bit. Well, never mind. We don't need to chase that rabbit. So I'll, I'll find some stuff for you on it. So, yeah. And be careful. Don't go out there and Google it. Because if you Google it, you might find something that's accurate, but you might find something out there that is totally off kilter. So just be careful. You, we know that the Internet is, Google is never wrong. We know that. So, Yes, Joey? Yeah, yeah. Or, or for a long time, we denied the existence of dinosaurs. But there's enough evidence to prove that there's dinosaurs, right? So, absolutely. So, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's some things there that we're not just too sure about. But it doesn't disqualify or make the Word of God false it's if anything there's evidence to point to it that that actually did exist yeah i've always said it, it wasn't until it wasn't until the 1800s late 1700s early 1800s that science started started attempting to disprove the bible up until that point science was used to prove the bible but men became smarter and became prideful and so they they tried since then to disprove the bible being real and they have not been successful at that they have not no matter what you hear they have not been successful at that at all. So, all right, all minds clear? Father, thank you. God is always fun. It's always encouraging, God, to, to meet with you. And, Father, we've done that. We've met with you through your body. God, we've met with you through the encouragement of one another, Father. And I thank you so much, and I thank you for your word. God, may we, may we, Father, do a self-check, Lord. May we not just hear the words tonight, God, but may we be doers. May we evaluate our own lives, God. Check our pride level, if we might call it that, Lord, and just make sure that the words that we're saying are not cutting or, or, or evil in any way towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, God. And also, Lord, may help us every day be remindful that this could be our last day on this world. This could be the last day that we have life in this mortal body. And so, Lord, we, we should always remember that to submit our, the control of our lives to you, Lord. And so help us with that. We thank you. Now give us rest tonight. Protect us as we go home. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.